that, amen, this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, Bibles, Hebrews, amen, chapter 4, verse 13, perhaps I'm really quick, Hebrews chapter 4, amen, Hebrews 4, we're going to look at verse 13 this morning. God gave me this message on Tuesday, and, uh, and I'm never apprehensive to preach what God gives. How many know that's a good thing to do? But I know that in preaching this, it's going to hit on some things. So, I would encourage you, <laughs> I would encourage you, uh, listen, because if God is speaking to you, uh, then that means there's a reason why he's speaking to you. Um, a reason that may be unforeseen, a reason that you may not realize till later on in life, but how many know when we hear the word of God, we need to respond. Can you say amen? So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. There's a story, man, about a man who visited these pillars. The story goes, Ruskin told of visiting a famous cathedral in which there were a number of colossal figures high among the heavy timbers that supported the roof. From the pavement, these statues have the appearance of great beauty. Curious to examine them, Ruskin climbed to the roof and stood close, by, uh, close beside them. He was disappointed to find that only parts of the figures that, he could, that could be seen from the pavement were finished. The backs were rough and unsightly. At first glance of these timbers, they looked beautiful. But upon closer review, he found them to be undone. And today, I want to talk to you about secret sin. About secret sin this evening. Because from the pavement up, we can look very good, can you say amen? Where people can see with the natural eye. We can look like we have things together. We can look like everything is okay. But upon a closer review, our story tells us he had to go higher up to see what was really going on. How many know our God is higher? And how many know he sees what's really going on? Because our God, average people, only see the flesh and the natural but how many our God goes before that, goes beyond that. He sees the spiritual. Can you say amen? That's what I want to talk to you about, because you cannot hide your sin from God. Amen? Yeah, it's one of those this morning, I know. But I got to give it to you the way God gave it to me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible tells us this very clearly. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let me read it one more time. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him, God, to whom we must give an account. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you, God, and I pray. Let me minister this properly, God, in your spirit, God. Veiled by your grace, God, I pray, help your servant, God. I don't have any confidence in this flesh. But God, it is by your word 
men and women are changed and renewed. And so, God, let your word go forth. Bring weight to my words, God. And I pray, help us all, Lord Jesus Christ. Let these altars be filled. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm naked before God this morning. I am naked before God. Let's look firstly at putting sin into hiding. If we read, when we read that scripture and believe what it says, that we are naked before the eyes of God, meaning that nothing can be covered, and the Bible says open, that we are naked and open. That word open in the Greek is trekalitso, amen, and is the picture of cutting a throat and opening it. It's where we get the word trachea. So I want you to think about what God is saying here. That I peel back things, amen, that I can see all things, amen, that are hidden. And it speaks of exposing. Okay, so knowing all of these things, the question then must be asked, why do we try to hide our sin? If we know that God sees all things, if we know that God, amen, his eyes go everywhere, then the next question is, so why knowing that do we try to hide it? One reason why we try to hide our sin is because it's our natural default. In Genesis 3 and 9, the Bible says this, Then the Lord called to, Ab uh, called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Because of what happened in the garden, this is what we do. We revert in the same manner. And trying to hide uh, our sin because of the shame, the embarrassment, because of fear. And these are our default factors that cause the decision of hiding. Adam and Eve knew what they had did, and Adam gives us insight here. I was afraid because I was naked. In other words, my relationship with you, Lord, has changed. I have violated the covering of God, and I realize my true nakedness. Because of what I did, I can't be in church like I used to. I can't talk to the people I used to talk to. So instead, I'll hide at home. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is no wonder why some people just disappear, isn't it? It's the default. The transfer that has taken place because of my sin says I can't be in the midst of the presence of God. I can't be where God is. I can't be where anything about God is being preached. And so I got to go. Why? Because of my sin. I have to hide myself. Amen. I have to go away from where God is. John 13, 27. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. And then Jesus said to him, what you do, do it quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he has said this to him. We know this scripture is speaking of Judas. Think about this. The Bible says that Satan entered Entered him. Judas left because of what entered him. The transfer through sin, he left the presence of God. So one reason that we hide our sin is because it's our default. It's what we reset back to. Amen. The other reason, and I'd hate to say this is the biggest reason. So I'll say this is a really, 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 really big reason. 
pride. Because we want to keep a certain image. We don't want to look imperfect before others. So instead of admitting it, we just justify it. Luke 16 and 15. And he said to him, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The problem is we are so more scared of men than we are of God. We're trying to hide our sin. And so we cover up our sin in hope that no, uh, nobody will know that I'll have the same standing among the people and the same positioning that I won't look different in their eyes. And this is all prided back to pride. Amen. This is what pride does. Pride says, I don't want to look a certain way. And so I will mask. I will hide. And so that way when people look at me, I look exactly the same. Everything is the same. But yet you're hiding your sin. Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. So when pride sets in, listen to me carefully. What begins to happen is we don't want instruction, or better yet, we don't want correction. We want to feel that we have a right to feel, do the things that we do, and we can right the ship ourselves without anybody knowing. So we don't say anything. It's amazing to me how many people don't come to an altar anymore. It's amazing to me that when the altar call is pulled and we say these altars are open, how many people sit in their chairs? And I get that maybe not every sermon deals with a, dis a distinct thing for you, but one thing I understand is that eventually it will. And it's amazing how many people refuse to come to the altar. Why? And I would say, God, why don't people come to the altar? You call for us to come to an altar. An altar is a place of strengthening. It's a place where we were able to cut things off. Amen. So why don't people come? And God began to show me that the reason why people won't come to an altar is because they feel embarrassed. They feel ashamed. And their pride gets the best of them. I don't want the people thinking I'm weak. I don't want people thinking there's something wrong with me. So I won't come down to the altar, even though, God, you are dealing with me. See, pride won't let you admit that you're wrong. Well, if I go down into the altar, I'm admitting something. And what will the church think? What will pastor think? What will the people think? Let me tell you what we think. We will think that you're getting right. <laughs> but who cares what we think? Listen to me, folks. Your thoughts don't determine my destiny in heaven. Who cares what people think about you because you're getting right with God? Listen to me carefully. You can't let pride consume you in this way because you'll never repent. You'll always feel justified. You'll always have a reason why you go to the television. You'll always have a reason why you go to that TV show. You'll always have a reason why you go to pornography. You'll always have a reason why you revert. Because that's what pride, pride always has to justify. And let me say this before I move on. It's not just men either. I know that back in the day, it was only men are prideful. Oh, no, 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 ladies, you got some pride with you as well. So please don't think this is a male sermon. 
This is a people sermon. Because everybody in here has a form of pride somewhere. See, pride will always create a barrier between you and God. James 4 and 6. But he gives grace. He gives more, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. See, pride, amen, has every bit to do with secret sin. And what you have to realize is that pride, amen, that is equated with secret sin is not drawing you close to God. So I want you to think about something, that when you lift your hands in secret sin, you think that you're in worship to God and that you're drawing closer, where actually you're farther away. You see, it's a deception this morning, amen, to hide sin and still think that you can worship and sing. And you know what? I'm drawing closer. No, the Bible says he resists the proud. He pushes away the proud. And so it's actually creating a bigger barrier. So hence, you're self-deceived. You're thinking that it's okay because I'm still breathing. It's okay because God is still blessing. Everything must be okay because I haven't lost my job. Everything must be okay because God has not struck me with lightning. Well, listen to me. That's not the way God works. The Bible says he gives more grace. Amen. In Romans chapter 2, it's the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. His forbearance, his long-suffering, amen, even when we're in the midst of sin. So please don't think, oh, you know, it must be okay because he hasn't done anything yet. No, it's called grace. Hoping that you repent, hoping that you get it right, hoping that you're willing to be exposed before God. So just because everything is going okay doesn't mean everything is okay. Let's talk secondly about the consequences. So if we have secret sin, what happens? In other words, can we cover up our sin without any repercussions? And if we can't, then what are those repercussions? What do they look like? Can we find it in the Bible? What does our text say? But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Number one, you're going to give an account either way. You may be able to fool me. You may be able to fool pastor, your friends, your family. But we are naked before God. Can you say amen? You will have to face the music one day. It may not be in the church. It may not be by a leader. It may not be by a brother. But, oh, you will face God one day. And you will stand before him. And you can't lie to him. Can you say amen? So one thing you better realize is that God already sees your sin. And you will be judged for that sin. And you will have to stand before God. Sin doesn't disappear because you cover it up. The Lord will not forget unrepentance for sin. Let me give you some examples, some more examples as a result of hidden sin. Let's look at David for a moment. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9. Why have you dis... Oh, excuse me, let's look at... Oh, yes, David. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 9. 
Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. David tried to cover up his lust and immorality. And what was the result of that? Two deaths. His child born from Bathsheba and Bathsheba's husband dead. What does this show me? A result of hidden sin can be broken families. Did you hear what I said? That something, amen, that seems small and hidden to you can actually begin to bleed out within the family realm. Can I ask you a question? What's going to be broken in your life through your hidden sin? What is going to end up dead because you refuse to repent? What is going to end up dying and gone and never being able to come back because we refuse to let God expose us? I'm not necessarily talking about being exposed before the church. I'm not talking about standing up here and saying, this is what I have done. What I am talking about is being exposed before God. See, the problem with some of you here is that, no, I got it together. I'm all right. But even right now as we sit here, there's sin. And right now, families are suffering. Right now your children are going to be affected because of your secret sin. Your wife, your husband. What we see here in David is that families were affected. Let's look at Achan for a minute. Joshua chapter 7, verse 24. Then Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achar. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will make trouble. Uh, the Lord will trouble you this day. So all of Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire. After they had stoned them with stones. Achan steals the accursed thing. He tries to hide it in his tent. I want you to think about something. Because of his hidden sin, the children of Israel, when they go to war, they lose 36 people. 36 people. They go to fight Ai, the small, insignificant city who they could whip with their eyes closed. But because of this man's sin, it infected a whole camp. And 36 people lost their lives because of his hidden sin. What this tells me is that your hidden sin can affect your church. Huh? Your hidden sin can affect the camp. And people are trying to figure out why are these lustful thoughts getting stronger now? Man, I've been delivered from, why is this coming back so strong now? And we're always the devil, always the devil. Well, maybe it's you. Maybe it's your hidden sin. And it's affecting the camp. People aren't seeing breakthrough like they used to. 
Now, I understand that there can be other factors there, but listen to me carefully. We are a living organism. Can you say amen? We are a church body. Listen, if something happens to my toe, it affects my body. If something happens to my hand, it affects my body. Can you say amen? It doesn't just affect my arm. It affects my whole body. My whole body, if I break a bone, my body has to adjust. So please don't think your sin stays with you. It can bleed into the camp. And it can cause issues within the camp. Listen to me. Again, we see people affected. Hidden sin kills not only Achan and his family, it contributed to the killing of saints in the battle. You see the seriousness here? You see why this is not a laughing matter? You see why this is not okay? Because it's more than just you. Listen to me. Sin makes us selfish. It makes us, it's only me. It's just me. It's just me. It's, it's all about me. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's about everybody you know. It affects everybody around you. Everybody will deal with your hidden sin. In some form or fashion. Let's look at Cain. Genesis 4 and 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, uh, he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. He covered his sin. He caused the death of his brother and tried to cover it up. But the Bible says something interesting. The Lord said, you will be a vagabond. If you know what a vagabond is, it's a person that just goes from place to place to place and doesn't have true rest, doesn't have a true dwelling, doesn't have a place that they call home. And I'm looking at this going, God, this is where we get the spirit of rejection from right here. Because this is what people with rejection issues do. They always change their friends. They always change their locations. They're always changing what they do. Every other month, they're changing something about their lives. And all of a sudden, we begin to realize that because he felt rejected from God, amen, he killed his own brother, and now he's running from place to place to place to place. He has no rest. Let me tell you something. Hidden sin, amen, you will begin to feel rejected, and you won't find rest. In other words, you'll never have stability with hidden sin. You'll never have spiritual stability when sin is hidden in your life. You may have one area, but then this area is all jacked up. You may have this area, but this area is all jacked up. It will never be stability throughout. Church, secret sin is not just about you. Look at these three examples I gave you. Each time it was hidden, it always dealt with somebody close. It always dealt with a family member. It always dealt with somebody that was close to them. It's not just you. Hidden sin has the capability of not only destroying you, 
It has the capability of destroying others around you. I need you to hear me this evening. I need you to understand this. This is not a laughing matter. This is not a game that we can just keep playing because eventually all things will come out. To, but my God, how long is it going to take for you and I to repent and see the destruction that it leaves behind? How many people are going to die? How many more lives are going to be affected? We say enough is enough. I can't, keep, I can't keep this hidden thing anymore. I can't keep acting like everything is okay on the outside. And on the inside, I am doing all sorts of things. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. I know and I understand that none of us here are perfect. And I understand that you know what? We basically sin almost every day. In some shape, form, or fashion. But there is a difference, amen, between being imperfect but striving for Christ. There's a difference between that and saying, no, I'm going to blatantly do this and just not say anything. I know this is wrong, but I'm still going to do it. But I'm just not going to say it. I'm not going to repent for it. I'm not going to leave it to the wayside. I'm going to act like everything is okay and still continue in it. There's a difference. All things are naked and open before the eyes of God. You're a great hider from us. You're not hiding from God. Let's look thirdly and lastly at the choice. We see all the things that the Bible has just shown you and I. So what are we going to do? Let me tell you what you should do. Don't hide your sin. Bring it before God Almighty. In other words, humble yourself. Admit you are jacked up. Admit that you are wrong. Admit you don't have it all together. When is the last time you came to an altar and admitted to God, God, I'm messed up. I don't have it together. My mind is wrong. I'm, I, I'm, I'm all lost. I'm messed up. When was the last time you came to an altar and did that? Can I be real with you folks? You know, sometimes we call to come to the altar and get cute. Oh, God, just thank you. We love you. Oh, Father, you're excellent. And those things are all true. When was the last time you got down to business at an altar? And said, God, me, this nasty, vile heart of mine, these disgusting thoughts that I have, God, these actions that I have committed, God, these things that I am doing that I know are against your word, God, I need your help. When's the last time you've done that? You can humble yourself before the Lord. James 4 and 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You can come to the altar, realizing what you are. And listen to me, when we humble ourselves, God does not push the humble away. Can you say amen? But the Bible says what? He gives more grace 
to the humble. Amen. People who realize what they really are, realize what they're doing and how it is affecting their everyday life and their children's everyday life and their family and their church's everyday life. It is men and women who say, God, help me a sinner. And it is those men and women that God looks upon not in disgust and in shame, but he looks at with love and care and says, you know what? Because you were willing to do this, I will help you. I will lift you up. I will give you the tools needed. I will give you my spirit. I will give you my word. I will give you my people to help you. But you must bring yourself low and admit what you really are. Not what we all think you are. I can't tell you how many times I've been fooled by people. And I can't tell you how many times I've fooled people. The Bible says either way, repent. Really get it right. Not just say, I'm sorry. Say, God, help me. I got some issues here. I got some things going on. And I need help. A man with an axe was attacked by a vicious dog. And in defending himself, he killed the animal. The owner of the animal was furious and asked the man, how dare he kill his dog? The man replied, if he had not killed it, the dog would have torn him to pieces. Well, said the owner, why did you hit with the blade? Why didn't you just hit with the handle? I would have, the man replied, if it had tried to bite me with its tail. So when I have to deal with sin, some people say, why don't you go about it in a more diplomat diplomatic way? Why don't you choose less offensive words to describe it? I answer, I would if it would bite me with its tail. But as long as it deals roughly with me, I will deal roughly with it. Any kind of weapon that will help me slay the monster, I'm going to feel free to use. You can't play with this, folks. Sin is not some poofy little dog just trying to bite your ankles. Sin is literally trying to, one, destroy you, and two, separate you from God. At all costs. And so if that is the case, how I many know we can't look at sin with just, oh, Oh it's, just a little, oh, it's just a lie. Oh, it's just a little pornography, Pastor. Oh, it's just a little love. Oh, it's just a little this and that. No, no, no. It's not just a little anything. You have to be aggressive with sin. Because sin is going to be aggressive with you. Some of you already know exactly what I'm talking about. This needs to be our attitude towards sin. Whatever I have to do to crucify this flesh, whatever I got to do to get my mind right, if that means I got to get rid of my television, if that means I got to get rid of a computer, if that means I got to move in with the brother from the church, if that means I got whatever I got to do, man, if that means I got to be here three times a week, if that means I got to come here every morning for prayer, that's what it means, then that's what I'm going to do. If it means being sat down, if it means being removed from ministry for a time, if it means speaking with pastor, if it means speaking with a leader, then that's what it means. 
if it means I'm going to lose my position, and that's what it means. Who cares about a position if I'm on my way to hell? See, this type of attitude, God goes, I can work with that. This is the type of attitude God wants. I can deal, I can work with somebody who's willing, who doesn't care about the ramifications as long as I can be right with God. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, not hide. We confess what we are. He is faithful to forgive. Somebody shout amen. Why would you want to keep hiding? Think about that terminology. Think about that logic, rather. The Bible says, if I confess, I'll be forgiven. But if I hide, I won't be forgiven. I'll be judged. You see how the devil makes us so self-deceived? You see how the devil and our flesh makes us focus on the wrong things and goes, you know, I'm going to hide this because I don't want nobody to know. But in hiding, amen, you're making a bigger mess, if you will. You're making a bigger case for judgment. But in repentance and giving over to righteousness and confessing your sin, you can have your slate wiped clean. So why do we want to keep hiding our sin, folks? I'll leave you with a story. I remember when I was the, about to be the director, I believe I told this story, but I was about to be the director. I got sat down for six months for ministry. And I got sat down for immorality. And I remember that when I committed the immorality, I didn't go right off and tell my pastor I hid it. And it got to a point that I was hiding it so deeply that I became numb to it and almost forgot about it. But through a series of events, God quickened it to my mind that I needed to tell my pastor because every time I'd walk into the church, God would deal with me. Who are you killing today? Because he would take me back to the story of Achan. And every time I'd walk into the church, like, what open door? What open door? You're, what, what are you releasing from an open door today into your church? And God began to deal with me day after day. And I remember I said, you know what, i got to go. So I went and told my pastor. I looked him right in the face. I told him what it was. I'm weeping. I'm crying. You know, I get sat down and everything, you know, all that stuff. And, and I'm looking at I'm such a failure. I have failed God. I have failed my church. I have failed the very thing that I said I would die for. I failed it. I go home. I say, you know what, it's over. Forget it. I don't even care. Stupid. Um, forget this whole church thing. I remember sitting at my computer. God dealt with me. I said, this is not the last chapter. This isn't the last chapter for your life. And I remember writing on my computer on the little November 14th. I'll never forget that day. I said, the next November 14th, I'm coming back stronger. Not because of what I can do, but because of what I'm going to do. I'm going to humble myself and repent and fall under the grace of God and fall at his feet. 
lot of November 14s have passed. What am I telling you? What I'm telling you is this. You can be redeemed. How do I know? Because I was redeemed. Secret sin doesn't have to destroy you. This morning, get your heart right, church. I don't know who you are. You know what? It doesn't even matter. Because all things are naked and open before the eyes of God. He knows. And I would encourage you tonight or this morning, get your heart right. Don't let this be your downfall. Don't let this be your story. The only thing we know about Achan is what? He tried to hide his sin. The only thing we remember about Cain is what? He tried to hide his sin. Oh, but what do we read about David? Yeah, he tried to hide his sin. But then Nathan the prophet said, you're the man. He said, I am. I am the man. We know that David repented and got things right. We don't remember just of his secret sin. No, we remember Psalms 23. Lord, my shepherd. That's what we remember about David. What do we remember about David? A great king and leader. What do we remember about David? A man after God's own heart. What was the difference between him and those other men? He repented. And he got things right. And even dealt with the consequences, but still kept his heart right. This morning, will you? Let's bow our heads before the Lord. This morning, will you?